Chapter Eight of His First and Last Appearance by Francis J. Finn, S. J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eight, in which Philip tells Isabel all about Mister Dunn, and finding a dollar in his pocket, thinks himself rich. Having explained at length how it came to pass that Philip Lachance was to be seen on Milwaukee Street on a cold, dark afternoon of December, it is high time to return to the little fellow whom meanwhile we have left outside in the cold awaiting the arrival of isabel thoroughly warmed by his stay in the caterers philip frisked about quite gaily every shop underwent his enthusiastic inspection he forgot that he had no overcoat and indeed that there was such a thing as cold or care or trouble in the world but even the splendors of holiday displays tire sooner or later the youngest and brightest eyes Philip, accordingly, began after a delightful quarter of an hour to cast about for some new object of interest. The trolley cars engaged his attention, but they did not appeal to him strongly. He compared them, somewhat scornfully, it must be admitted, with the elevated railway system of New York. Very soon he began to feel that it was cold, and to grow weary of his long stay on the streets. Suddenly, and in the very middle of a yawn, his eye brightened. Isabel was approaching her head was bent and there was no mistaking the despondency in her face the cares and sorrows and responsibilities of the last four weeks had wrought their effect upon isabel she had grown much thinner and there were hollows about her eyes which told of weeping and of one of sleep her complexion had grown paler even the fresh breezes of that invigorating afternoon brought not the red to her cheeks almost immediately she perceived philip and at once her expression changed the lax muscles of the face awakened, the air of despondency disappeared, and a smile lightened up her features. "'Oh, Philip,' she said, "'I am so sorry to have kept you waiting this bitter cold. Did you suffer from it, dear?' "'Not much, I didn't,' cried Philip emphatically, and with a caper. "'I've just been having a great time. Look at this, will you?' And Philip held up the two boxes of candy." why where in the world did you get them asked isabel as they made toward wisconsin street mr dunn gave them to me mr dunn who is mr dunn he's a nice man with a mustache and a most solemn look he pulls out his mustache and looks at you so puzzled like but philip you don't mean to say that you took those things from a stranger oh but he wasn't a stranger he's a friend of mine i hope you're not going to beg philip bag he did the bagging he made me come into conroy's and gave me a lot of oysters and things i didn't ask for anything after many questions isabel contrived to get a fair account of her little brother's somewhat unusual adventure the singing of noel was hardly mentioned to the incident philip attached no importance i'm afraid my dear she continued that it was very imprudent on my part to leave you alone on a crowded street this time it turned out all very well, but you might have fallen in with someone not quite so nice as Mr. Dunn. He was nice, I tell you. Indeed he was. Isabel had learned how Mr. Dunn refrained from inquiring too closely into the child's family history. Evidently, she reflected, he was a gentleman. Won't there be great times when Marie and Charlie get hold of this candy? exclaimed Philip as, crossing the bridge, they came upon Grand Avenue on the west side. I noticed, Philip, that you haven't opened either box. That is very nice of you. 
I eat a lot when I was at Conroy's, answered the young gentleman with much simplicity, and so I didn't care about taking any. Isabel smiled, this time without effort. Were there any letters from New York, Isabel? That's a fact. Guess whom I heard from? His letter came yesterday, but I only got it this afternoon. Was it from Professor Himmelstein? How well you guess. He writes a beautiful letter. I'll read it to you when we get inside. What does he say? He says that he can't care for New York any more and that he's off for Germany. Is he going for good? He doesn't say. And when is he going? He was to have sailed yesterday. I'm sorry, Isabel. I like the professor. He was mighty good to me. He was good to all of us. We owe him so much, and I do not see how we can ever repay him as we should. At least we can pray for him, and I hope, my dear, you will never forget the dear old professor as long as you live. Every time I sing, and every time I pray, I think of him, said the boy. When I grow up, I intend to get a boat and go across and see him. You've got his address, haven't you? Not yet. He promises to send it when he settles down. Philip, I must get you an overcoat. I have waited and waited for money, but it is not coming. You see, my dear, I don't like to see you so thinly clad. But, at the same time, I hate to use the money which the good professor forced me to take. But he wanted you to use it, said Philip easily. Yes, but I said I would not, unless it became absolutely necessary. I was hoping to get some work here, sewing or copying or teaching the piano, but so far there seems to be no prospect at all. Didn't you get that job you went after just now, Isabel? No, dear. And I learned that times are at present very hard in this city, and many good people have lost work, and there's much destitution. The man I went to, on learning that I came from New York, said I was a fool to leave my friends and come to a place where the natives were hard-pressed to make ends meet. He spoke roughly, but I can't blame him. I'm afraid, dear, that we shall have to go back at the end of this week, if not sooner. Why not go now? Philip asked. Because, dear, although I have obeyed Mother's command already, I should like to stay a few days longer to see if anything should come of it. There is still enough money of our own to last us to the end of the week. And then, if I see no work in sight, I can use the dear professor's money to get us back. All right, Isabel. Hello. What's this? Philip, whose hand had slipped into his jacket pocket, brought out a bright silver dollar. Why, Philip! Good gracious, I didn't know I had a dollar, Isabel. I wonder where it came from. Mr. Dunn, perhaps. I don't know. He didn't say anything about money, but he was awful good. Perhaps he slipped it in when I wasn't looking. Say, Isabel, tomorrow I'll hire a sleigh and take you all out of sleigh riding. Mayn't I? Certainly, dear, if you can get a sleigh for a dollar. And Isabel laughed almost gaily. Oh, you can get anything almost for a dollar. They had now reached their lodging house, and Philip, radiant with the anticipation of the pleasure he was about to give Charlie and Marie, tripped up the steps and rushed into the house, his sweet voice filling its every nook and corner as he shouted for his brother and sister. End of chapter 8